Good morning, Vox. What a joy it is to be back in this beautiful space in front of each of you in this beautiful community. But I'm going to be honest, I was a little resentful that I had to return to wearing real pants in front of you. Um, it's been a long time that before I've, you know, I had soccer shorts and then like a really cute top on top and then throw on some lipstick and y'all didn't know that I was wearing slippers. And so, you know, to put on real pants and heels um, is quite the sacrifice. I hope you guys recognize it. But all jokes aside, I am both elated and actually quite emotional about being back in your physical presence. And I thank y'all for allowing me to hold such sacred space with you this morning. The truth is, I started thinking about this homily back in the summer. I had this yearning to be back in our collective and to create an environment for praise and worship. This jubilant space of both mourning where we'd been and ushering in a new sense of reality and hope. At the time folks were getting vaccinated, I started to venture outside of my house. There was sort of this summer vibe of Austin that felt near. And I thought we were moving into this season of reflection and gratitude. Well, so much has changed since I pondered what I would speak about. We had the Delta emerge, derailing most of our sense of comfort and stability around COVID. We've witnessed earthquakes mark 20 years of what seemingly feels like a meaningless war that brought both loss and sacrifice. We witnessed our beloved Gulf be devastated once again. Our kids returned to school under the tension of politicizing masks and historical truths. So, so, so much more. And maybe this post from Black Liturgy summarizes your current state of mind. This idea and this admonishment that we were offered. Praying for all the hearts and minds struggling this week, exhausted by the collective pain we continue to witness, fatigued by the lack of compassion we continue to experience, wearied by the failures of systems we dare to care, yet continue to dehumanize and overwhelmed by our limitations to support at all. Something I posted on Instagram weeks ago, feeling the weight and the heaviness of where we were as a community and as a collective. And so part of me thought I needed to pivot. Part of me felt highly sensitive to the prospect of moving us beyond the grief, moving us beyond the trauma, moving us around the heaviness of it all too soon. When many of us are literally still sitting right in it. I know I am. It's not just populating our Twitter timelines, it is occupying our thoughts and driving our anxieties. But I was reminded that through this collective trauma, through this individual pain, the ongoing hardships that life presents every day, we are called and encouraged, even invited into the prospect, ever-present arms of God through the Psalms. That in our praise, through our worship, we are calling God into action. We're igniting his present power and acknowledging and affirming his faithfulness, even in the midst of the storm. In James 5, it reads, are any among you suffering? They should pray. They should sing songs of praise. Now, I understand that some of us may not be there yet in our journey. That praise feels premature, inauthentic, or perhaps impossible. We are still sitting in the disbelief, the confusion, the anger, and for those of you that that rings true, I ask you to do me a favor. Sit today with intention to bookmark this homily and unpack the seedlings of hope when it feels right, when it resonates, maybe weeks from now or months from now. So today may be an encouragement for some and maybe just a planting of a seed for what is to come for others. 
Today I'm inviting us all to work out and mature our muscles of praise and worship, a posture of anticipation for God's faithfulness, God's redemption, God's everlasting love. Today I'm inviting you to take a listen to my pandemic praise list and encourage you to create your own soundtrack. But before I share what's on my playlist, I want to ask y'all, what songs on your playlist evoke peace and joy for you? When you turn on Spotify in the morning or in your shower or when you're working, when you're having a bad day or struggling, what song do you throw on? And I'm really excited to do this because I haven't been able to do it in a really long time. Turn to your physical neighbor and actually share a song that evokes that emotion for you. And for those of you joining us online, if you will share those songs in the YouTube chat. All right, I'm actually kind of excited because I'm thinking maybe I'm gonna get some new songs to add to my fall playlist. So because we are all masked on, I will ask those of you sitting in front of me to actually shout out some songs that came to mind or an artist that came to mind. And there's no embarrassment. You know, if it's Jonas Brothers, it's Jonas Brothers. If it's, you know, whoever it is, this is a safe space. BTS. All right. See? See, I knew it. Anyone else? What invokes joy for you? Carly Rae Jemsen. Anyone else? Those are good ones. Those are good ones. I think we should make like a Vox playlist. I think we could get behind this. So when you're reflecting on these songs that offered you peace or comfort or those songs that serve to hype you up when you need to invoke a sense of joy or be energized or transport your mindset to hope and glee, for me it's Rihanna by the way, or a certain album that you can play cover to cover, whatever it was you were reminded of, that sensibility, that connection, that retreat that it offered when you're stuck in traffic or in the shower or listening to uh, music at work. That same sense of relief and hope is promised to us in the act of praise. Praise in the original Greek means to sing, to tell of, to give, or to confess. In simpler terms, it means to be thankful for God's blessings and declare that good news to God and to others. You see, we are invited to tell of the good, the bad, and the ugly to our God. We are invited into a space of confession of our trials, tribulations, and triumphs. Praise is an active posture of connecting with the divine, with the greatest conf- our greatest confidant. In fact, the Bible calls God the great comforter and helper. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can com- comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Our praise calls on God into our presence. Likewise, worship, in both the original Greek and Hebrew translates to directly conversation between you and God. The invitation is both to call out and to cry out to God, while also acknowledging his ever-presence and ever-power to meet us in the moment. In today's scripture, we are reminded of this in the Psalms. And as a reminder, Psalm literally translates to a sacred song or poem. The Psalms are, in fact, a form of praise and worship. Perhaps it's why it's my favorite book in the Bible. There is a rhythm to it. And in reading them, I believe God is calling us to meet him in the spirit. So today's scripture, Psalm 124, verses 1 through 5 read, If the Lord had not been at our side, let Israel now say, If the Lord had not been at our side when enemies rose up against us, 
Then would they have swallowed us up alive in their fierce anger towards us. Then would the waters have overwhelmed us and the torrent gone over us. Then would the raging waters have gone right over us. In this psalm, David is expressing gratitude for God's help, the help of God when under threat. Would the waters have overwhelmed us? It is a rhetorical question, knowing that had it not been for God at their side, they would have perished. How many of us have felt under threat over the last few months, years? The threat of depression, the threat of anxiety, the threat of sickness, the threat of political dissent, the threat of racism, the threat of failures of humanity. But God's exclamation, I'm sorry, but David's exclamation isn't just about what God has done. David is also offering a proclamation of what God is capable of. It is a request, a cry for God to show up in the midst of our threats and in our fear. Now, some of you may question the logic or the position of praise when in the midst of turmoil. Perhaps the posture that comes natural for you is that of reflection and lament. But today, I want to encourage you to consider the power and precedent set by David in the Psalms and throughout history to meet God in our praise and worship. That precedent is deeply embedded in our American history and heritage. The souls of our black ancestors once enslaved through the transcontinental slave trade throughout the Americas created the tradition of what we now refer to as the Negro spirituals or slave songs. They were birthed out of and in the pain of bondage created through generations of African Americans. It was a merging of African culture with the experience of being in slavery. During times of difficult labor, slaves would break out in song to pass the time and lift their spirits. Slaves would often sing songs that praise the Lord or even, the, or even ask God for help and guidance. And these lyrics you see on the screen are lyrics from the song, Wade in the Water. It reads, Wade in the water, wade in the water, God's going to trouble the water. Water was a primary aspect of slave experience. Because understanding the history that the Middle Passage, which marked the captivity from Africa over to the terrible turmoil of the Middle Passage to the Americas, traveling the oceans in slave ships. But it also indicates the hard, tumultuous pathway to freedom of crossing the Ohio River, which was the dividing line between slavery and freedom during the Underground Railroad. Not only was this a recognition of the freedom that we are born in turmoil, but it was an analogy of the literal freedom slaves were pursuing from enslavement by wading in the dangerous waters to the north. Let's just take a moment to recognize the power of calling on, believing in, and expressing hope as you are chained. It gives me literal chills to consider that depth of hope, that depth of conviction of God's power, that it happens in the midst as you're crossing the rivers, as you're enduring the choppy nature of the current. Part of it is trust, part of it is faith, part of it is relying on the stories of the word, the stories of your ancestors, perhaps your own history or the others around you, of how God has brought us through. He brought the Israelites through. He continues to bring descendants of slaves through. And just as David is calling on the story of God freeing the Israelites, so were black American slaves calling on the precedent and history of God to meet them right where they were, to abide in his faithfulness and ultimate freedom. 
And that leaning on precedent continues. These songs that have since become popular hymns, particularly in the black church tradition, have continued to be sung to acquire hope and ask for assistance on the journey. The images before you are images throughout the civil rights movement. Leaders such as Reverend C.T. Vivian or Dr. Martin Luther King or singer, gospel singer Mahalia Jackson and others would lead protests and marches and other gatherings with Negro spirituals. The song Go Down Moses offers us inspiration, an instruction on entering this space of anticipatory and participatory praise. The lyrics to this Negro spiritual read, way down in Egypt land, tell all pharaohs to let my people go. It is a spiritual deliverance of which slaves are calling on God to be freed, just as the Israelites did from Pharaoh. What power is there in declaring what God has both done and will do when there is no indication of such freedom or relief around you? And yet they declared, let my people go. What indication do any of us have of relief from this pandemic, liberation from political warfare, rest from the ongoing traumas of the world? And yet God invites us to meet him in praise and worship, like the Israelites, to declare freedom, to lean into the precedent that God has set in our lives and the lives before us. Now, I want to invite you into this space of worship now, a space of mourning, of crying, of appreciating, of reflecting, I'm going to invite you into my pandemic praise list, first with this song called Good. And as you listen to it, I invite you to meditate on the words on the screen as we play a short sample. When doors seem like they're closing, you remain, you remain. When others turn against me you remain faithful the storms of life are crashing you remain you those words. The storms of life are crashing. You remain. You remain. Then should I fall, you'll catch me. You remain faithful. What a declaration predicated on the promise we all have from the Almighty that he is faithful, that he is good, that he is working everything out for our good. We may not feel it now. In fact, our praise may not be fixed, a fixed posture, but rather a m- moment predicated on the hope we have in God. And so I ask you, Vox, how will you invite God to meet you where you are in this season? As Harmon just indicated, as we open up these doors and we come to gather again with complex feelings, how will we invite God to meet us where we are as individuals and as a community? Later on in the Psalms, David further demonstrates the power in declaring what we know to be true. It reads, Blessed be the Lord. He has not given us over to be a prey for their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. 
The snare is broken and we have escaped. He's encouraging us to bless the Lord. And note that this is an observation of what God has done, but not necessarily an indication of what God is doing. So often we don't have that insight. We don't have that vision. We don't have the foresight to see what God is doing. It is merely our belief based on where he has already taken us, where he has already brought us out of. Y'all, we are actively surviving a pandemic. We are actively mourning the loss of over half a million people. Our children are navigating a new world. We're adopting to new life protocols. We're enduring the triggers of seeing black and brown bodies brutalized. Our hope lies not what we see, but what we know to be true. Last week marked a year without one of my closest friends, Gianna Hutton. She, alongside my friend Elise, were my best friends in college. I think we have a few photos. She not only marked kind of my first adult relationships, but honestly, my first deep friendships with black women. A native Chicagoan, her sensibilities and her accent and her meaner, I think reminded me of my Ohio-born maternal family. She was, in essence, a sister. Last year, on September 15th, she died suddenly in the midst of a pandemic not related to COVID at 32 years old. I yet have yet to truly grieve her. In some ways, I'm still in shock. I'm still confused. And if I was completely honest with myself, angry, that in the middle of a pandemic, I had to endure the loss of someone who kept me grounded. But I'll never forget the day I built up the courage to finally call her mother, not just send her a text. And it was my thought that I was going to be offering her my condolences and to console her and comfort her. But instead, I was met with such conviction and comfort. Her mother sat so soundly in the knowledge that her daughter was in the arms of God, that even though her life cut way premature on the eve of starting a prestigious policy program in D.C., a few months out from being engaged, that her life would live through her legacy, and that we should thank God for the beautiful life we got to be a part of. I was simply in awe of her mother. Well, this past Friday also marked a year since losing my little brother. Last year, I lost my best friend and my brother a week apart. And as you can imagine, this week rests quite heavy on me, something I hadn't considered when I agreed to speak this morning some months ago. I had blocked my calendar on Friday, no meetings, no meetups, not sure how my emotions would land and creating space to experience the day however it happened. I started the day quite strong. I did a workout, I had my ceremonial tea, you know, I had Google organized my way through grief, as us type A people think we can. And, but when I got home from the store, after I picked up some flowers that me and my siblings had ordered for my parents, it all kind of hit me. Anger that I didn't get more time with Ben. Grief stricken for my parents that had to bury a child, a child they'd chosen. Overcome with the inability to truly process it all. And that afternoon, one of my great friends, Nikki, encouraged me to meet her for lunch. She she said, you know what, we'll sit outside, we'll look up at the sky, I'm going to play some worship music. And I was resistant. I was like, I just kind of want to be at home, I'm going to lay on the couch, be in my feelings. But she knew exactly what I needed, that I needed to be ushered into the presence of God. And she did that for me that afternoon through music. 
And that moment transported me back to the day of my brother's funeral last year. As we struggled to grapple with this unimaginable loss in the middle of a pandemic that had forced us to hold an outdoor funeral, mass, six feet apart, couldn't hug anyone, shrink our guest list, forbid our grandmothers from getting on a plane, and asking our friends and family to join us by Zoom, something remarkable happened. In the middle of all of that, in the middle of service, not according to the order of service in the program, which if any of you have ever been in the presence of my mother, know that that is very on brand. My mother jumped up and began leading us all in attendance in song. And as I watched my grief-stricken mother lead us in song, I could hear her cries out to God. What we witnessed was her asking God to meet her in her mourning. What we experienced was the invitation to anticipate healing, the comfort that God would offer us then and eventually. What we participated in was a call to worship God for the life, legacy, and love we had all bore witness to in Ben's life. I think I have a video, but I'm actually going to ask those up top to skip it. Surely this moment demonstrated my mother's strength, but it also demonstrated a woman who had experienced and known the power of God. She knew that he was a present help. Till this day, I still have friends and community who will speak of that moment, the conviction of my mother to praise God even in the midst, to declare, blessed be the Lord, even as she was mourning. Cole Arthur Riley, the author of Black Liturgies, says it like this. Sorrow is not a destroyer of beauty. It's okay to look up from the debris long enough to catch your breath on something beautiful. God of tension and beauty, we will not look away from suffering. It seems there is so much at stake in the world and in ourselves that to look away would be the most callous negligence. So sustain us, God. Give us the gift of the beautiful as we try to survive the tragedies of this world. Awaken us in the artists and creatives in our midst, those whose songs and paintings and words, films can hold the seams of our souls together when under the harshest duress. Awaken us to the stars, the birds returning, the flowers resurrecting, that even when we find ourselves too exhausted to create, we might be held by the beauty of your creation. Remind us that violence and oppression cannot conquer beauty itself that our love, our lament, our rage, each in their own way, are messages of beauty in the aching world. So Vox, I invite you to inhale, I resist the tyranny of despair, and exhale, God awaken my soul to beauty. And I want to welcome you back to my pandemic praise list to ask God to awaken your soul to the healing, to the rest, the beauty that he is already offering. This song blessed my spirit throughout the year. It's called You Keep Getting Better. And so I invite you to listen and show up as feels comfortable. I will sing of your goodness. I will sing Though the seasons come quickly, you have always been enough. Though the night may get darker, though the waiting seems long, you have always been faithful to remind me of your love. You are 
God's faithfulness is enduring. At the end of today's scripture, David reminds us where our help comes from. In verse 8, he says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's what the Negro spirituals reminded us of. It is what my mother reminded us of, even in the midst of her pain and sorrow. It is what I try to remind myself this weekend. It is what I want to remind you of this week and in the weeks to come. That if it had not been for the Lord who was at our side, and to bless it be the Lord. This idea of bestowing a blessing on God by thanking him, praising him, announcing him to be blessed. It is his powerful expression of thanks and praise. When we look back on life, as the psalmist did, we become aware of the myriad instances of divine protection, where we're not so vividly conscious of at the time, but we might even have the opportunity to see, to predict. This idea that God has freed us from, he's protected our minds, our body, and our spirits, even in the turmoil. Historically, psalms are a vital part of our corporate worship experience of the church. They create space for us to connect with God, space for praise, for thankfulness, faith, hope, sorrow, to declare God's loyalty and invite him to call him to be our present help. And at the heart of all the psalms, there is a deep trust in God. The writers of the psalms always express their true feelings, whether they are praising God for his blessings or complaining in times of trouble. Psalms are an invitation for our true praise, worship, and lament. They offer us space to meet with God in confidence, in trust, in acknowledgement of his grace and his mercy. Cole Arthur Riley of Black Liturgies, who I kind of consider to be a modern-day psalmist, wrote it in her own way. The truth is, my hope is mangled. It limps and creaks at night. You speak of hope like a white bird soaring but it's okay that mine is the battered exhale, a bench with splintered wood. God of Elijah, in the middle of despair, you are a God who doesn't simply demand our belief or our hope, but instead rises to meet our physical needs and tenderness. Thank you for being a maker who refuses to neglect the physical, who put flesh on the divine and became its protector. In our despair and fatigue, in our depression and anxiety, it is difficult to care for our bodies the way they deserve. Would you meet us in the lonely and weary moments of our lives and grant us the resolve to eat and drink and rest? Vox, inhale, I can find you in this desert. Exhale, but God, lead me to the well. But God, lead me to the well. Vox, as we acknowledge the desert many of us find ourselves in, as we continue to grapple with the unknown, as we mourn, as we fight, as we resist, know that the well exists and that God will meet us in our thirst and need. It is truly in his nature to be our source of love, healing, strength, and comfort. It is in his nature to be our help and to love us even in the midst. The last song of my pandemic praise list is a song I have on repeat often. And so what I want you to do is I want you to listen to this song, but with a new posture, one that invites you into a space of praise and worship. Stand, dance, kneel, cry. Whatever you do, come before God as you are. 
and allow these words to resonate with you. I just want to say, I just want to say thank you for giving me this piece of heart. For consuming you, transform me from the start. That is who our God is. That is truly who he is. So even as we pursue rest, repair, and healing, even as we are seeing our surroundings, our news tickers, and our Instagram feeds offer us little hope, let us meet God in praise. Let us invite the spirit of God in worship to remind us of who God is and to speak our testimony into existence. Fox, how will you find rest, restoration, and release this week? How will you invite the presence of God in through praise and worship? What will be on your praise list? And so I will end us with this prayer and with this reminder. Let this be your reminder that your grief doesn't always need to look like hope and understanding. Let your lament tell the truth. God doesn't need it to be digestible. May you feel and know the presence of God even in the midst. Amen.